0: Well, hello there, Mike Pasco here. Uh, recently rebranded as Dissecting Philately, I've got all my connections and community representations as Dissecting Philately, and it's just been really fun. It's been really neat to kind of intentionally put some thought behind who I am, what I'm doing, what my interests are, how to get focused because philately is just a beast. You can get distracted, you can get lost, you can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. So it's it's been nice to sit down and, and do some rebranding. I'll have to maybe cover that in a little bit more detail. That was quite uh, the thoughtful process that went behind that as pretty much everything I do is uh, overthought and, and over intellectualized. So at least I think I'm probably off on that. But anyway, been been pretty fun it's been over a year since i put an episode up on dissecting philately and you know that you could probably write that off as covid 19 uh influenced but man i don't know it's just there's a lot going on in life there's a lot going on in work with family so it's just i don't know it's just me trying to make everything move together and um, yeah keep, keep all the balls in the air. So this is a special report if you will. This is going to be an episode dedicated to me going out on a philatelic adventure because that's what I like to communicate on this podcast. What I like to document some of the things that I'm able to do and I will keep it pretty here and now. Uh, what i have basically uh, going to do today is drive to Estes Park, Colorado because at the beginning of the year, the USPS makes a bunch of announcements on what the new stamps uh, designs will be that are going to be issued in 2021. So I was able to just kind of document those, uh, make a little spreadsheet that I'll be sharing with you all just to plan out my year, uh, especially if there are any stamps that have significance to what I do in my life, the people in my life, the places in my life. So I'm really excited to say that there's an actual first day city for a stamp that's being issued this year. And and actually today on March 9th, 2021 is the day of first issue for this uh, stamp. Now, I will say that I do need to look into a little bit more details and and I think everybody else could because I'm sure I'm not the only one, but this is a special stamp. This is a non-machinable rate stamp. I have no idea what that means. I hope to look into it and learn a little bit more about it as I report back to you. Uh, after today but basically I know that if I get this stamp today in Estes Park Colorado I'll be able to put it on an envelope one on an envelope and that will be all I need on my cover I will be able to hopefully get a postmark from the Estes Park post office and I did call the post office and they did inform me that they're going to have their special uh, cachet if you will which I'm expecting to be a uh, secondary additional rubber stamping that will have some kind of design my understanding is that the USPS has probably come up with this and that they have provided this to the Estes Park Post Office as they've identified this location as the official site of their stamp uh deployment or unveiling inauguration uh, it's a, the first day ceremony so basically what i'm doing right now is i'm in my car my boulder county required subaru outback as we all seem to own and where i live i'm in that that bad boy and i'm driving up to estes park so as i started to get going uh, let me check my navigation here it's just about 50 miles away from where i live so it's going to take me another hour from now to get to estes park specifically to the post office in estes park so i i can talk you through my process as i mentioned The first step in all of this is to be intentional and to plan your, essentially what I found helpful is to plan your year. I don't know about you, but in December I had a lot of downtime. I had traveled to see family and there was just downtime, so I was trying to come up with things to fill that time. And one of the things I found was planning the creation of custom covers. I have created my first custom cover in 2017 and that was really motivated by the total solar eclipse you might remember in the United States uh, as it crossed uh, from east coast to west coast transcontinental and the uh, path of totality came through Wyoming and that's not far from where we are in Colorado so we were able to stop at a post office in uh, Wyoming and get that special Uh, I I don't know if I want to call it a cancellation. I mean, it's a rubber stamp, but the purpose, as I understand it, is to not deem or mark the postage stamp used and, uh, you know, unable to carry another letter forward. So my first custom cover was a total hack job. Uh, I didn't put any kind of, uh, you know, graphical, illustrative, artistic display uh, artwork of any kind on the cover. I just grabbed some envelopes and we left. So we, we you know we got to the post office on the on the way back after the eclipse happened, and we bought the stamps in uh, the post office, and that was awesome. That was really cool. There there are very awesome post postage stamps. They have this. I forget the technical term, but uh, it's some kind of um, photochromatic or thermochromatic. It's it's black ink but it reacts to heat and it essentially fades away so you put your thumb over the the blackness and you can see how the the blackness of the of the moon concealing the sun kind of goes away and you can see the sun and then you take your thumb off and the moon appears in black circle and it covers up the sun for an eclipse very clever very good job on the the interactive design of that one so got the stamps purchased put them on the envelopes and then the I believe the postal clerk handed over the device now by device i do not mean the cancellation device this is what is so unfortunate although my custom kind of rubber stamp says you know path of totality total solar eclipse 2017 it do- it's not specific and not tagged to that specific post office. It's tagged to Wheatland, Wyoming, but as as I'm starting to study these custom covers and really just branching out beyond postage stamps to covers in general, the excitement and the interest there is to see how this cover represents a moment in time by having the postmark on there and having the, the city and the date and the zip code and all of that in the cancellation. And what's so funny is I did not get that on my first custom cover. So, you know, there's a couple of ends of the spectrum in philately. There's the, these are the rules, thou shalt follow the rules. And maybe this cover is worth zero. <laughs> maybe it's worth nothing. Uh, and I'm not doing this for the finances, of course, but maybe it will be looked at as incomplete trash because where's your postmark, buddy? You didn't even get the post office cancellation device to hit that sucker. Uh, well, you don't clearly don't know what you're doing. And that clearly was true. And the other side of the spectrum is, you know, do what you want. Do whatever is meaningful to you. And I've got a great story. I've got a great memory. Part of what what I'm doing and why I'm doing this is to involve my family. Now, today is a Tuesday. Uh, everyone's at school. So it just didn't work out today to, to take the kids, to take my wife, to go to Estes Park. So this is really a solo mission for me. But we were able to do a Buffalo Bill commemorative cover a couple weeks ago in honor of his 175th birthday. So basically, that's where I'm at. That's what's going on. I've, I've got a plan. I've called the post office. I do recommend that if you're going to go to a post office like an hour away, like I am, that you give them a call and just ask them about what's going on there. I fully expected somebody there to know what was going on because a government, you know, semi-governmental entity, the USPS, is informing the public that Estes Park, Colorado on March 9th is where this stamp is to be first issued and first used. And so I would hope that post office is aware of that. It was kind of funny. I found their direct post office phone number. So when you're doing this, try to shy away from the 1-800 numbers or the one numbers. When you're Googling and looking for the post office and you find the post office uh, record in the on the USPS website, look for the local phone number and give that a call. And I, I asked the first person that answered, they, they really didn't know what I was talking about. So they went and asked somebody else and they were well aware that they would have the stamps and they would have the special uh, cancellation device. That, but, And again, by that, I mean this graphical design cancellation. So that's what I did in prep. I knew the day in advance uh, you know honestly I did not have come up with time to create a commemorative cover that has the uh, any type of design to it so with Buffalo Bill I was able to do some line art in Adobe Illustrator I was able to print that on the envelope at my home I was able to color it with colored pencil make it look really nice I was able to get some Uh, some stamps that were representative of Buffalo Bill's life, Medal of Honor, Pony Express, Civil War, uh, his, of course, Buffalo Bill commemorative stamps. Now for this, I did not do that as well. I guess I could have grabbed some Colorado stamps. You do have to spend some time in advance getting ready because you do want to get uh, mint never hinged original gum or even mint previously hinged stamps because those are going to work just as well to stick on the cover. So that's what uh, is happening this time. You know, I'm not going to let perfection be the enemy of getting something done. So I literally grabbed three business envelopes, threw them in a planner. So that way I can separate the, the different uh, envelopes with pages of paper in between. So the, the ink doesn't transfer and bleed between covers. I've, ha- I've made that mistake. I have gotten multiple covers made, stacked them up. Uh, and then they got pressed together, and then the ink went from the front of one to the back of the other. Not not a big deal, but I have made that mistake. So I don't have a design on my envelopes today. I have a plan to go to Estes Park. I, I've learned that Estes Park is special and a good, a good site for this stamp because Estes Park is known for uh, a lot of butterflies, and that's what is on this postage stamp. It's this special non-machinable rates, and it is... Going to be in Estes Park because apparently there's a diversity of small butterflies in Estes Park. I'm sure they're going to be popping up as soon as the weather starts heating up here in Colorado, the wildflowers start blooming. Uh, my, my ultimate goal is to grab one of these butterflies. It's going to be a, a hair streak butterfly. And this hair streak butterfly, you have to go um, check out the the link that I'll put in the notes accompanying this episode, uh, in the in the in the description for this episode. There's just a very beautiful butterfly that was selected, very colorful. And I would love to actually acquire one of these hair streak butterflies. Uh, I have actually found several on eBay. I'm definitely trying to keep the the price point very low. I want to see how low or how cheaply I can a- acquire one of these butterflies. And then I have to figure out a creative way to mount this hair streak butterfly to the envelope. I have not seen this before. I'm not claiming to be the most innovative (laughs) cover creator because I'm very new at this. I've only been doing it for three years I really would think it would be cool to get an actual hair streak butterfly. Maybe I could... They're, they're very flat, right? If you're familiar with mounted butterflies, they're usually pretty flat. Of course, I wouldn't have that special insect pin going through the thorax or abdomen or however they do it. I would try to press this butterfly nice and flat and I, would, I need to protect it, right? You don't want to just have a butterfly exposed and like taped onto a cover. I'll probably try to stick it inside of a clear sleeve of some sort, mount it to a card and then get that on the envelope. So, I don't know. Those are my thoughts right now. You know, the Buffalo Bill earlier this year was way more thought out. But today it's going to be, I don't know, run of the mill. Now, what I do need to figure out uh, from other collectors I do need and creators, I need to figure out what people do when... I mean, this happens. It's got to happen. I'm sure that, again, if you're on the spectrum of the dogma of the the, the cover has to be in the state that it will be at the time of postmarking i've got lots of covers honestly i went to hawaii i made some custom covers there and i didn't have a cachet. i didn't have that specialized design on the left side of the envelope of the cover so maybe again i can stick a butterfly on there uh, i do like to do a lot of precise uh, illustrations so i can maybe do that with some mechanical pencil some colored pencil And I'll be sharing a link to all the custom covers that I've done. And you'll be able to see uh, what kind of medium I've been using. And you'll be able to see how many of these covers are still awaiting a cachet. So I've got my three envelopes. I'm driving up to Estes Park. I I know a little bit about the stamp. And I really don't know what to expect. That's what kind of makes this somewhat exciting and also somewhat nerve-wracking, guys. I have had some horrible experiences with postal clerks. I went to visit a family member's gravestone in a military cemetery in San Antonio. I was able to do like a crayon rubbing of their headstone, very, very, you know, very nicely done, very respectfully done. I was able to get some of the information off their white marble military tombstone onto my envelope. And I went to the nearest post office because, again, that's that's another thing I should talk about. That's another characteristic of your custom cover. Where are you going to have it postmarked? And it's your choice. You want it to be something meaningful to you. And so for me, for today, it's going to be this Estes Park Post Office. Now, for the San Antonio trip, I basically did a Google search for post offices closest to the cemetery. And, you know, there were three that were equidistant. So I just picked one and went in. Got in line, showed the the cover to the clerk and, you know, explained I was a collector. I really think you got to do that. You got to let the postal clerk know you're a collector. And uh, I'll tell you why in a second. But you got to let them know and just, you know, give them context. Because you're going to ask them something that, in my experience, most postal clerks have no idea what you're asking them for. They don't know what you're trying to accomplish. I I don't think this hardly happens anymore. I think people were doing first day covers and custom covers a lot uh, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but I don't know with the advent of email and the drop of letter sending, um, you know, data needed to support that statement. But just as a sentiment, I don't think people are doing this. Certainly no one in my life is doing what I'm doing. This is something that I'm setting out to do, uh, going off of role models that I've connected with on the internet. So the woman took the cover, listened to me explain and said, no, I, I can't do this. And I, I said at the time, because I wasn't well, as well informed, I said, no, you, you know, I, you, you do need to do this. Like the, when requested, like you, this is something that, you know, you do need to do. I don't know if I, I came across, uh, you know, rudely. I, I'm a very, very nice, optimer, optimistic person. I am not out to, you know, ruin anyone's day. And I just was so excited to get this special family cover postmarked and she so she took it and she went back and consulted with a colleague and came up and said no if if you hand me this cover I and I postmark it it has to go through the postal service now that is not true and that is not desirable so you know from my perspective you don't you don't want that to happen you wouldn't want to put a custom cover through the postal service because that puts it you know up for so much damage and so many bad things could happen to it you don't want your cover to get scratched. You don't want it to get ripped, torn, burned, frozen, wet. You just don't do that. And that's, I think, why the post office has come up with policies to allow for philatelic activities. So, if I, I, I of, co- of course, I went to the community. I went to the Stamp Community Family Forum. I posted my experience. And a lot of people gave me a lot of advice on this. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I was able to get my San Antonio postmark. I went to another post office. I, I asked for the postmaster the postmaster came out and they were very understanding and they let they, they basically made it like they were doing me a favor now the the community of collectors have since told me that there is a post office manual this is like the internal uh, playbook white white pages like this is how you do your job and there is a whole section dedicated to philately and collectors and sure enough I, as I'll post in the accompanying, supporting documents uh, for this this podcast there there is a section on handback servicing so there's a way to do this they are expected to do this this is a postal clerk duty but again in my experience not a single poster postal clerk knows what I'm talking about so I've had experiences that range all the way from the San Antonio post office clerk saying no and me kind of standing there dumbfounded I should have asked for the postmaster at that moment or a supervisor, uh, and the other end of the spectrum is you'll get postal clerks that will hand you the cancellation device because you, they'll see your cover. They've seen how much time you spent putting it together and they don't want to mess it up. So I don't know the right way to do this yet. I, I really want to figure out a way to just, you know, calmly and kindly ask for the cancellation device. Uh, I will, I will be right here. I would like you to, uh, you know supervise me I'm not doing anything crazy or illegal but you know just let me do this the way I want to do it the way I need to do it to make this look good I've had a conversation an email thread with uh, somebody from virtual stamp club uh, Lloyd has been very helpful and he recommends that you bring a scratch piece of paper so that way you can hit the paper with the postmark device Make sure you know, the date is okay, the city is visible. Just make sure everything is good uh, so you know the proper orientation of the device. And then, uh, yeah, you, you want to make sure you can do that. Oh, I forgot to grab index cards. That's something I thought would be, have been a really cool thing to hit an index card with the cancellation. And then I could tuck the index card into the envelope. And then that would serve a couple purposes. I could test my postmarking and I could also have just like another commemorative piece of memorabilia for this. So uh, that's my experience. And I've again, I've had in Hawaii, you know, as you could probably expect, super laid back. The postal clerk handed me the device and I just took my time it was me and her and no one else in the post office so I was able to take my time now Lloyd did also suggest if you're going to a post office and you're going to go talk to the clerk the clerk is probably going to be rushed and stressed trying to get their job done because I, I'm sure that the the media reports are true the post office is under a lot of stress COVID stressed the post office extremely I'm sure even you know, the holidays hit I'm sure they're still trying to dig out and optimize and get their delivery rates and their their speeds you know back up to where they were previously so overall I found that there's a pretty high you know uh, pretty positive view of the postal service very essential very important part of you know life I won't say daily life because it's not everybody for some of those out there I'm sure it is but Lloyd recommended getting in line, but however, if if there's a big line of people behind you, if you can let those folks go ahead of you maybe, if you can identify a gap and get to the the front desk with the clerk and kind of just be you and nobody behind you, they're probably going to be more compliant and they're probably going to go for your uh, recommendations a lot sooner. So um, driving north through Longmont, it's time to turn left, it's time to go west, on my adventure to Estes Park, and I'll be checking in with you guys in a little bit. All right, well, I am happy to report that everything went so smooth. I I don't think I've had it any better than I've had it today at the Estes Park post office here in Colorado for the first day of issue for the hair streak butterfly this is a non-machinable rate and gosh let me tell you about my experience so I got here the drive was great very lucky because a snowstorm is coming uh, later this week so that was a big risk in in coming up here or scheduling the first date of issue in a mountain town in March in Colorado but it worked out so I got here I got parked, I got my envelopes, uh, which again, were just three blank envelopes, and I went inside, uh, approached, I was the only one there, so that was already an awesome sign. Uh, I got there at probably nine o'clock, and so the post office had been open for 30 minutes, they opened at 8.30. Approached the clerk and told her what I was here for, and she immediately went and grabbed the uh, postmaster. postmaster named Kim Chase. Oh my goodness, amazing, amazing. If there was a tip jar at the post office, I would have filled it. So I worked with Kim, and Kim is very, very knowledgeable about collectors, very knowledgeable about cancellations, and what this post office was prepared to offer was first day of issue uh, envelopes. So, you know, you've seen these, you know, going for (laughs) like five cents each on eBay. That's your run-of-the-mill stamp with the uh, four horizontal bars with first day of issue in the center space there uh, with a mark estes park co for march 9th 2021 and the zip code here is 80517 so it was awesome to chat with kim she was asking me tons of questions about what i do uh do i do i make a lot of these covers do i make enough to sell them i mean it it was really thought-provoking and really exciting and insightful so my my basic plan was to ask if they have a special commemorative first day of issue cover and they did so I bought one of those and then I also purchased a block of four of the stamps with the idea that I would take three off to put one on each of the envelopes and then I would keep one uh, in uh, in this mint pristine condition for my album so everything went really well Estes Park Postmaster really came through they're, they're pretty boring they're pretty bland as you'll see from the photos that i post there there's a lot of white there the background of the hair streak uh, stamp is also white which is kind of cool because then the butterfly really pops off the cover but now i've got some choices to make i've got to figure out if if and what i'm going to put on the three business size envelopes that i have or what i'm going to put on if anything on this first day of issue envelope so yeah kim chase Awesome, excellent job there. She took care of me. She was well aware of the post office manual section on collectors, on philately, and she also uh, was able to give her employees uh, some notice about this. She said there have been several phone calls of, of people about the stamp and what the post office was doing today, but I was the first one to come in. So I don't know how I feel about that. That's either real exciting or really pathetic. I don't know what's going on. I'm just fortunate that my work schedule allowed me the flexibility to to come out here uh, and and do some work on the drive and uh, and when I get home. And it was just a real great experience. So uh, that may be it for this episode. I may have something more to add uh, when I get home. But for now, it's going to be time to do the drive back from Estes Park back to Boulder County. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I will keep you posted. Okay, so I'm on my drive back from Estes Park. Great, great time. Very successful effort there. And I realized that my goal with this podcast was to always have complimentary sections on what it's like to... Uh, you know, do something specific to anatomy and something specific to philately. So the first part of this episode was all about philately, of course. And now I'm trying to think about what is the correlate for anatomy? So what could we look at in anatomy that represents the same kind of thing that was just undertaken by going to a post office? And I guess we really have to stop and think, or rather, I have to stop and think about what this represents to go get a first day of issue stamp. So it really represents kind of like the the first day that a certain thing in philately was made available. So I don't know what that means for anatomy. Is the correlate the first day that a new anatomical structure was made uh, available to the public? Like maybe the first seminal publication on the autonomic nervous system. Or something to that extent. I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe the the analogy here is eponyms. Maybe, you know, that that first scientist that kind of cornered the market and made uh, a lot of discoveries, had a lot of resources, had a lot of prestige to uh, go into the body and, you know, probably with a lot of help, but not always a lot of acknowledgement, characterize and describe uh, a structure, the fallopian tube, the organ of Cordy, you know, these types of things so maybe that's kind of what we're talking about here maybe the cornering the market or or the first example or instance of something in anatomy and that usually comes with an eponym so i don't know it's a a little bit of a stretch but i do want to also span the gap here and and dance from philately into anatomy and what i will say is a connection between the two is my interest in my plans and actually i've got a history of doing so of making a commemorative cover at a scientific meeting. So the thing that makes this awkward is we don't have in-person scientific meetings right now. The last one that I signed up for that I was supposed to attend was the American Association for Anatomy annual meeting in San Diego. And that would have been in spring of 2020 but we all know how that went. So the last time I went to a meeting in person was the International Federation of Anatomy Associations so IFAA it's what my anatomy colleagues will recognize and this was in 2019 and this was held uh, in the UK just outside of London so what I did is I actually had some presence of mind to be prepared for this one I went into I, I actually what all I did is I brought the Leonardo da Vinci postage stamps that were issued by the United Kingdom in the year 2019 I thought that would be a perfect representation as i'm planning all these covers i'm trying to pick postage stamps that represent and have meaning to what's going on so getting those da vinci postage stamps you'll want to google those or look at the link anyway again i'm providing a lot of links to visuals for this audio podcast and you'll see that what they basically did is they grabbed some of the sketches from leonardo's folio and they have put them on stamps and there's there's a lot of anatomical themed ones I remember a profile of a head I remember a uh, fetus inside of a uterus I remember the uh, the upper extremity dissected the like kind of like that shoulder pectoral girdle region and I think there was a fourth one uh, I think it was a skull that had been cut down the middle like a hemi section, but only the anterior half of the hemi section was removed so it was almost like a skull that had a quarter wedge taken out of the front really cool really cool so got those took those with me had scheduled a day of exploration uh, for the trip so you know I I go I present I I network I do my anatomy thing and then the conference is over and I start to explore London and uh, the first place on any stamp collectors bucket list better be Stanley Gibbons on uh, Strand Street in central London so I made it there uh, fortunately, it was kind of a slow time of day, and I went in, I chatted to the gentleman behind the counter, told him what I was up to, uh, bought some uh, machin stamps, those very identifiable UK definitive issues, uh, I think that have been around since the 1970s at least. So I picked up a small collection of those. I picked up some stock books for my kids, and then I told him what I was up to, and he gave me one of their stationary envelopes because I didn't plan right like I went all the way to the UK and I didn't bring any envelopes I had the stamps but this is 2019 I'm just getting started and creating my custom covers so I thought it was cool and kind of an adventure to find an envelope I went to Stanley Gibbons I got an envelope from them I put the stamps on and then I set out to find a post office that would cancel and postmark these stamps so you have to be aware of the terminology that's used in other countries especially a country like the UK where there's a lot of different phrases and different meanings even though it's English uh, it seems like it's all Chinese and, <laughs> to some extent because the meaning behind the words is different so went into my first post office tried to explain what I was doing I would like you to postmark these stamps on this envelope and then hand it back to me I'm a collector uh, this would have very special meaning to me they said that they couldn't okay well maybe it's the goofy American tourist vibe that I was putting off but I had to go somewhere else, and luckily, I wasn't really wedded to a particular post office. I just wanted a post office in the UK, in, in London would be even better. So I'm, I'm exploring central London on foot, Big Ben, all the sites, the big uh, I Ferris wheel, just kind of walking around. And I make my way to another post office, and I do go inside, and I do successfully get the, what they call franking, a canceled or postmarked stamp is often referred to as a franked stamp. And I don't know how common that is in the US, but that definitely is the term that they were using in London. So that's definitely what you want to keep in mind. If you're ever there traveling throughout the British Commonwealth, uh, you need to ask for uh, hand franking and then hand back. And so they were able to do that, no problem. Still got an awkward vibe like, uh, what are you even doing? Why would you even be doing this from the postal clerk? But whatever, I'm never gonna see them again. So. I was able to get a cover created to commemorate my travel to london my invitation to speak at this anatomy conference and it, it was very great and very meaningful but i do have to say it wasn't all perfect because i did not have any cachet on the envelope so this is another example of a cover that i have that has a meaningful stamp the envelope itself is really unique and and memorable and, and applicable to stamp collecting so that was cool stanley gibbons i just don't have the cover image i've got the franking i've got the date i've got the location but what am i going to do so i don't know i would be interested to hear from you guys on if you have any experience in this or if you have any opinions i as i've probably have you know expressed i'm on the other side of the spectrum where philately is yours to define and you can come up with whatever you think is meaningful and if you have to put artwork on an envelope after the fact i think that that's fine i'm not worried about that i do have to be mindful though that i'm extremely paranoid of feeding an envelope with a postage stamp through my printer at home i'm just imagining you know what the post office machines can often do to stamps what would my printer at home do to stamps might be okay I might be able to cover everything with some vellum paper. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. This will be a handcrafted job. And every other cachet that I've done uh, that's been printed professionally or at home has been done before the stamps were affixed. So that's my somewhat uh, stretch of an attempt at relating the concept of custom cover creation to anatomy. Uh, I am also uh, a curator or a custodian, you could say, of anatomical philately. So I, I've coined this term anato philately, playing off of aero philately. So the, the explanation or the, the, the capturing of events in aerospace and the exploration of space through custom covers and stamps, I'm doing something similar with anatomy. And I do keep an eye out for anatomy theme covers So coming up this summer is going to be the 100th anniversary of the successful synthesis of insulin in the laboratory at the University of Toronto. So I've been able to find covers that do exist that are, I mean it's kind of a stretch, you know, this is not commemorating the discovery of the pancreas. Uh, I think that's a bit unrealistic. But this is commemorating the physiology of the synthesis of insulin, which of course has had huge impact on those with diabetes. And now that I know where this happened, I'm doing research now in preparation because the, the event was actually commemorated on a specific day. So uh, someday in June or July, I'll get my cover ready, I'll get it designed, I'll get, I've already um, acquired a Canadian postage stamp for uh, honoring the 50 year anniversary of the synthesis of insulin so a stamp from 1971. But of course, I'm not gonna be able to travel to Canada, so I have to send this envelope to Canada for, um, again, postmarking cancellation, and it's gonna be a mail-back service request. And we're talking about a postage stamp from the 1920s, so I gotta figure out, um, you know, the post office will not mark a cover that has insufficient postage, so I might have to find somebody in Toronto that I can befriend, Uh, That Maybe you're that person, maybe you're near Toronto, maybe I can send you my cover, maybe you can go to this post office near University of Toronto, buy a stamp for me. I'll probably be able to get a stamp online and put that on here, but then get the the cancellation going. And I'll have to come up with a clever self-addressed stamp envelope process, and then the cover can be sent back to me in a protected state and not just into the general post. I will say, because I might have a little bit more time here, I might have more attention, uh, that basically I tried doing this to mark the 100th anniversary of the American Physical Therapy Association. I designed a cover. I did some artwork. I did not have, (laughs) something's always missing, I did not have a physical therapy specific stamp. I don't think that exists, so I did, you know, I did a flag forever stamp. I think I found like an Olympic stamp of somebody on the the rings just to have some kind of physical human body representation and I found the post office down the street from where the first official meeting of the APTA took place in New York on the island of Manhattan. I called the postmaster. I told her what I would be doing. I asked her to keep an eye out. I asked her if she could do it and she said she would. So January 15th is the day that this event happened. I sent the envelope a week in advance, and I called about three weeks later after January 15th had passed just to check in with the postmaster, and she, I don't know if she'd done it or not, but she said she would do it. I thought that she meant she would retroactively make the postmark read January 15th because I know at least with these first day covers, they can retroactively continue to postmark 30 days after the date of first issue. But I don't know something with how busy the postmaster was. Chalk it up to uh, you know the the curtness of uh, you know the, those East Coast personalities. I don't know what went wrong, but I got the envelope back and it was postmarked February fifth. So WTF? Uh, shoot, uh, that really sucks. They blew it, and uh, I don't know why. But I really got to figure out how to do this appropriately for Toronto if I can't be there in person. So. Thanks for bearing with me. Again, if, if you've made it this far, I hope that you've got some interest in, in custom covers. You've got some interest in uh, traveling to anatomy conferences. I don't know when my next anatomy conference will be in person where it makes sense for me to make a cover and get it marked, but I do think I'll be able to find some anatomy themed United States postage stamps, uh, maybe even medical at the least. And then, uh, and also I could always just throw stamps on there for the city or state that I'm going to and then I will try to make something special. Uh, Maybe I'll try to get some autographs from the keynote speakers. One time I went to a Society for Neuroscience meeting. We're talking, oh man, is it 20,000 neuroscientists go to those? And uh, Eric Kandel, the researcher who's well-known for his studies on uh, sea snails and memory uh, and Alzheimer's work, all that kind of cool stuff, he was the keynote speaker and I, I had presence of mind to bring an official Major League Baseball with me and I asked him to autograph that, so that was cool. I think it would be even cooler to have a uh, keynote speaker or a Nobel Prize winner, such as Candell, to autograph a cover. I do collect covers of Nobel Prize winners, like, um, I don't think I've got a Kandel, I've got a Hubert and Weissel, uh, the researchers that made Gains in Visual, uh, the, the, the study of the vision and how that, that is represented and passed back to the brain. So I've got some of that going, I think it would be cool to also try to get some autographs from keynote speakers at my next scientific meeting. So stay tuned, and it's been good to reconnect uh, and, and publish after a year-long hiatus. I hope you're all doing well. I hope we're out of the COVID woods soon here. I hope you're doing your part as I'm doing my part, and we'll catch up with you guys next time. Thanks. Okay, and let's wrap up with a um, by-the-numbers. What I like to do uh, each episode is honor the number of the episode by relating that number to something anatomical and something philatelic. So you're listening to episode 11, and I will say that the anatomical importance behind 11, uh, of which there could be many, obviously what comes to mind is the 12 cranial nerves, the 11th cranial nerve, is cranial nerve named accessory sometimes it's named the spinal accessory nerve i like to drop that spinal piece and just keep it as the accessory nerve and this cranial nerve functions uh our motor and that means that there are two muscles that are innervated by this cranial nerve and those two muscles are the sternocleidomastoid muscle and the trapezius So any lesion or damage to this cranial nerve would result in impaired movements uh, which are directed by these two muscles. So that's the anatomic 11. The philatelic 11, uh, we're keeping it with the Scott's catalog numbers. So Scott catalog number 11 for United States postage stamps is a definitive. It's a three cent Washington. The color is described as orange brown. This is very similar to uh, type, uh, excuse me, Scott number 10. However, this is going to be described as type number two. It was issued in 1851 as imperforate. 340 million of these stamps were issued, which makes them pretty abundant and pretty inexpensive. Should be pretty easy for you to obtain a used copy for your own collection. It was printed using the flat plate method. And the design measures 22 by 25 millimeters. So it is taller than it is wide. And it is not watermarked. The the paper does not feature watermarking. That was not a feature that was utilized by the uh, printing process at this time. And I would say that the, the catalog value is, again, pretty reasonable. Now, catalog values are usually high compared with what you can find in the marketplace so i'm sure you'd be able to pick one up on ebay for just a few dollars and i do have a scott number 11 in my collection and some other information i pulled from one of my favorite identification websites it's called the swedish tiger so you'll want to put in the swedish tiger.com into your browser i'll have that link in the notes down below and basically the the information there is that Not until April 1st, 1855, did it become compulsory to prepay to have your letter mailed. So that that is to say, it was not required to put a stamp on your envelope. This three-cent stamp paid the ordinary letter rate, and two or more would be required on double, triple, and, and so on letters. The single postage to California was six cents, so that is considered the double letter rate. The double rate to California supplied by four three cent stamps. A double rate was defined as a distance exceeding 3,000 miles. A letter weighing less than half an ounce was at the single rate. And then each additional half an ounce was charged an additional single stamp with the exception of California where it would require an additional two stamps and the foreign rate was supplied by the 10 and 20 cent rate stamps, so strips or singles of this three cent, Scott number 11, can be found frequently as part of the composition of stamps used to pay the amount required. And at this time, prepayment of envelopes was optional. Many chose to have the letter paid for by the recipient at the foreign destination.